0: Welcome to the Bun Me Chronicles podcast. This is Randy Kim, host and creator of the podcast. I welcome you to my final season of the show with the theme titled Finishing the Crumbs, as I am officially wrapping up this year for good. I hope you enjoy the episodes for the season. Happy listening, everybody. Hey, everyone. So I am with Dolly Avenue. So who is she? So Dolly Avenue has received radio play on powerhouse 103.5 Kiss FM Chicago, influential KEXP and Tastemaker station, 88 Rising Radio on Sirius XM. She has appeared at two major music festivals and received press in Forbes, The New York Times, Paper, and was named Live Nation 1's to watch Artists of the Week. Dolly Avenue has been placed on multiple editorial playlists on Spotify, YouTube, Vivo, and Amazon Music. The artist's 11-song full-length debut is arriving this summer via Sony Music's The Orchid Distribution. The album chronicles Dolly Avenue's journey growing up in Missouri and finding her voice after the death of her mother. The record is a coming-of-age story touching on personal growth topics, including finding hope in even the darkest of times. So congratulations on your debut album. It just came out uh, very recently. And how are you feeling about uh, the release of your debut album now? After thank you being so much. In, yeah, after being in, and I know you've been making music for quite some time, but it's got to feel very cathartic to release uh, the album.
1: Yeah, so thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I kind of compare it to a wedding. You spend so much time planning and working on the music and making it personal for you. And then it's finally done and out into the world. So it feels very fresh and still kind of hitting me that all this work has kind of finally been released but i'm happy to be in this position yeah just having the the moment to really just enjoy what i created with my friends and yeah music i mean i've always loved to sing but i really didn't fully dive in until the pandemic and that's the death of my mom is really kind of what really brought me to make my first album and really go into music full on. I was originally an entertainment photographer for eight years prior. So although I sang a lot and I did kind of dabble in music, it is still pretty new to me.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And actually, I'm going to be asking more questions about the album uh, later into this uh, episode. But what was the spark that made you decide that you wanted to become an artist and who were your earlier influences?
1: For sure i think i was always an artist growing up honestly i can't remember any part of me that isn't creative or natural to me outside of art it was really my greatest relief or sense of release of expression and yeah my parents were musical and artistic and they drew and they were just you know kind of hippie-ish and i think i just naturally gravitated towards that
0: yeah and you know, for the longest of time, there's always been a lack of Asian women and other women of color in rock music. And did you find yourself running into self-doubt and skepticism on whether there'd be a platform for you to shine as an artist?
1: That's such a great question and very a very real situation. Um, you know, I think there's always going to be self-doubt when you're an artist. Like, you, you'll always ride the high and then you'll really feel the lows. So it's, it's always going to be a wave, but for sure, the space is still new for Asian American women, specifically rock. As you say, I think a lot of people are leaning more towards R and B at the moment. And so it's just a really great time to be making and sharing music for people who enjoy rock music and alternative music. Cause there's so many facets of Asian American women, right? We're not in one box. We don't like to dress one way or look one way. So I'm excited to kind of be in that space and uh, make music that I grew up listening to. Um, some of my influences, I realize you asked me that in the last question, um, were heavily alternative bass. You know, I love The Beatles, of course, um, The Strokes, Cage the Elephant, Coldplay. Those are my influences growing up. I mean, I dabbled into a lot of different things like Taylor Swift, Ava Levine, very heavily pop and R&B as well. But it always kind of remained in the indie alternative space for me.
0: Were there anything from these artists that you took inspiration from in terms of what they gave to the audience and what <clears throat> and what um like did it in a way like uh, cultivate uh, the kind of music that you want to make?
1: Yeah, it, it was definitely a lot of self discovery because you don't really, I mean, not for me at least. I don't, I didn't go in being like it's got to sound like this. I really experimented and it became what it is now. But yeah, I definitely wanted a full band experience. Like when I performed it, I wanted to feel like you're at a concert, at a festival. And I like to play it live like that, too. I have a drummer, I have, you know, a bassist, and a guitarist. And a lot of that is in my music. You can kind of hear there's a lot of instrumental breakdowns as if I was at a festival. Like, all right, usually you have a three minute A, B, A, B type of structure. But I wanted moments where it just went off the rail and improv or like had an instrumental solo so I took that from a lot of the the full band bands that I listened to
0: yeah I'm also curious about your experiences like as a person who loves going to concerts and I don't do festivals anymore but like what can you share about the experiences of performing at a festival versus you know performing in smaller venues
1: Wow, I mean, the crowd is different, of course. I think, well, with with a smaller venue, it's usually people you know or people, you know. I think with the festival, there's so much discovery. So you just never know what you're going to get. And in a crowd, when there's so much people, whether they're drunk or partying or just here to have a good time, you really feed off of that. So I think I go crazier when there's a bigger festival crowd, for sure. And then where they're more smaller Intimate crowds, it's a little bit more vulnerable, surprisingly, too, because you're just like, oh, okay, it's just me and you, you can see my eyes. Whereas a big crowd, you can really kind of let that person go, for me at least.
0: Yeah, what festivals have you performed at?
1: I performed at South by Southwest, uh, North by Northeast, and I have, well, I'm still fairly new, but I have a couple really big dates coming up that I can't share yet, but I'm excited about
0: Ooh. it. So what was it like performing for S- at South by Southwest? Were there people that you got to see as well? I'm I'm very curious about it because I am such a music nerd and and I love like the idea of being able to see another artist. Like like to be in your shoes, I can imagine that you've also had some opportunities to also meet with uh your colleagues.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting because I told you I had a photography background, so. I was always like the set person, you know, like behind the scenes, being with the artist, but now I'm in front of the camera and I'm a talent. You definitely get a lot of better perks for sure. Um, for instance, like access to the other artists and going to see sets and South by South was really unique, a really unique experience because you are given a random venue location and so it's like you can see Shawn Mendes in a bar, you know what I mean? Or like wow. Ariana Grande at the park. It's not like there's the big stage and everybody kind of goes on that. So I think it's a very unique experience. And I did just get to see a lot of my favorite artists.
0: Did you find yourself being so nervous performing in festivals? Because you're dealing with a very unpredictable audience. You're very new to scene, or at least in their eyes. Do you find yourself getting very flustered? or, Or do you... Or do you feel the opposite?
1: Yeah, I mean, I am I used to deal with being flustered and nervous in the past because I was still discovering how, what it felt like to perform because I never performed before. And now that I've had a couple of experiences and shows under my belt and I did support for another artist, like 20 cities, it actually broke my shell. So now I can play for anybody. If you give me one person, I will perform for you like it's a Beyonce show <laughs> like awesome. um, so no I don't have that problem anymore but I did It was definitely hard
0: yeah and you mentioned about your mom's death well at least in well at least when I read it in your bio but would you be able to tell us the impact of your mom's death and how it has informed your music and the role that it plays in your life
1: Yeah, my mom's passing was very sudden. She died of cancer during the pandemic. It was super unexpected. She basically was like, I have some pain in my body, went to the doctor, and then they said, you have stage four cancer. You have X amount of time to live. And, you know, of course, there's always like that hope that things will get better. But when you get stage four cancer terminal illness like diagnosis you're also very like stressed and unsure of course and it worsened my world because obviously I'm dealing with my mom's potential passing and then the world shuts down and then there are riots and then as a photographer I couldn't take pictures anymore because people are afraid to you know be around you know another human and on top of that the the patient situation was completely changed. You couldn't go into a hospital and see this person like you normally would. And fast forward to even a funeral setting, I couldn't. I only could have 10 people and we had masks on. It was just, it was a really, really awful time, honestly, and it impacted me a lot. But no, but at the same time, I really took from that, like, look, my mom had such a short-lived life And I need to do my best to really like enjoy my life and do what I really want to love. And that helped me propel into doing music.
0: How supportive was she in your music?
1: My mom was very supportive, you know, I didn't have a typical upbringing, it was unstable, but she really drilled into me. She's like, I was from a single mom, go immigrating from Vietnam from the war, like I want you to do what makes you happy. And because, I mean, it's a longer story than that, but her upbringing was so tragic. And so for her to give me a second chance at life, bringing me to America, she's like, I don't care what you do, just do what you love, Mm -hmm. you know? So it was super impactful and super supportive because yeah, I don't know if I would have had the same outcome if I had someone that was telling me you shouldn't do this and you're not going to make it, you know, I think having someone champion you is super important.
0: I think it's very beautiful to hear these stories because often we hear of our Asian parents uh, always discouraging us from living our, our potential. And to have your mom be so supportive of your work, it has is it's got to be tremendous. It's got to be a tremendous feeling to have and, I wonder about how you have been dealing with your mom's passing since then and and because I was reading Praying in Age Smart*, I don't know if you've read that book it's oh, yeah. it's it's very yeah, po- it's very powerful to read and but I I just wonder about the the impact that it has on you since then and 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 how the grieving process has been for you.
1: Yeah I actually really love. Michelle Zahner's story is actually very parallel to me. Honestly, it's kind of insane, right? She like lost her mom and was really just hustling in music for a while. And I think her mom also died of cancer. Yeah. But it, yeah, it was really difficult for sure because I, you know, usually when people go into music, they have a really big strong support network and a safety net and my upbringing is honestly the opposite very dysfunctional very unstable I didn't have a father figure so losing the only person that really is connected to me in a family or support or in a rock sense threw me in for a huge loophole you know what I mean and yeah it's I mean I still deal with it today I mean I go to therapy. Uh, Therapy is really helpful. Anybody who needs therapy, even if you're not going through something really difficult, it's so great to like discover and understand yourself more. So even three years after her passing, which I can't even believe three years have passed, I am still realizing I'm processing things. So it never really goes away. And, you know, I have really good moments, right? Like where I am so thankful that I took that experience and made something beautiful out of it and made this album that I'm proud of and I know she would be proud of. But then you have moments, for instance, like two days ago when I had my album release party, that it was such a proud, exciting moment. And to not be able to share it, you know, you have like bittersweet feelings of it.
0: Mm. Yeah, you recently released your debut album, This Is Our Time. And what can you share about the process of making this album in particular?
1: Yes, this album is very different because I really got to experiment with different sounds. And also, I feel like when I first started music, I didn't have a lot of direction. And I didn't understand how to use my voice and how to perform. And a lot of people were pulling me in different directions. Like, you know, you got to make this type of sound if you want to make it. Or this is not the right path for you. And then I just... I think when you have more practice and a better head on your shoulders, you realize, well, the best stuff is going to be authentic to me. And so I finally kind of found this sound that I would be proud of to perform, you know, and I think that's controversial for sure. Like there are like better statistical sounding tracks that would help, you know, maybe gain a wider mainstream audience. But I think this is going to be the longer journey for me where I'm just kind of staying true to myself and kind of seeing what happens. And I think that's what I really love about Michelle Zahner's path too, is she makes very unique music that's true to herself. And it took a little longer, but she broke through. And I'm excited to kind of follow that path and be authentic.
0: Yeah, no, thank you for for continuing to show your authenticity. And it's it's so important uh, to see that happen because it feels like there's pressure from the music industry that you have to perform In a way that the audience would like to see you as at least from their perspective and it's important to see artists like yourself to defy that and to use your authenticity to connect with audiences rather than trying to fit in a certain mode and i I listened to your recent album and i want to say that i do enjoy your recent songs summer and so-called friends so thank you yeah, would you be able to share your experiences in creating these songs?
1: Yes, I, you know, it's funny. Those two tracks are the most alternative pop punk Midwest emo on the album. And for me, I originally, funny enough, before I made the album, I was going in this weird, like I was in a country mood. I was like going super country, which is, which is cool, right? Because then it, it kind of gave me, enough like material to try other things because i was like okay well i've never seen country before so why not and then i kind of got into more funk and then i experimented with pop punk and that's when those kind of two tracks came out what i love about those tracks is because it's a coming of age album that is so authentic to me and growing up i was so into paramore and Avril Lavigne and flyleaf and all these really great bands and smashing pumpkins you know that I wanted a song that represented that like there are times when I'm like driving on the highway and I'm just like you know I just want something super nostalgic something that's gonna make me like feel all my anger and angst even if I'm not angry or angsty right now I think we need some of those tracks like nothing not everything needs to be super happy or super sad I think there's an in-between to feel emotions that are more heavily like grr (laughs)
0: Yeah. What songs stand out to you personally that audiences should pay attention to?
1: I said this in a few interviews, but my favorite song is actually Crash. It was the first song I ever wrote that helped me find my direction into the album. It's, you know, I love songs that are a little more on the sad, moodier side, but I love like a big breakdown. And so Crash would be my song that I choose.
0: Yeah. Are you looking to do a tour uh, for this album?
1: Yes, we are planning a tour um, very soon. I would I would I feel like it's going to be next year for sure, um, just because this year is like full of other festivals and things like that. And so, yeah, I would expect one should expect a tour um, and hopefully a support tour as well.
0: Yeah. Is Chicago one of those stops?
1: Hey, I love Chicago. I grew up in Chicago. I would love no to go No way. Play Chicago. No way. Yeah, I moved a lot, but I went to school there for four years. I went to art school. And wow. Yeah, that's Chicago's. I love Chicago.
0: Do you have a favorite venue in Chicago?
1: If I could play, it's on my list. Gosh, what was it called? I think it was called the Metro.
0: Metro. You know what? It's it's funny that it's you say iconic. that. It is an iconic place. And you know, some of the biggest artists have actually performed at the Metro as one-off shows. Like Green Day performed there last year. Uh, oh, I'm going gonna, gonna to see Carly Ray Jepsen in a few weeks there. For a oh, she said
1: you are a music head. Yeah, uh, that yeah. is like, it's kind of like the House of Blues for people, Hotel Cafe. It's like artists who break through go on that. And it's just like a milestone for artists. So I would love to play that.
0: It's very intimate, and it's. A, I think it holds about less than a thousand people, so it's a very special place for a lot oh, of artists. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I think it'll be iconic if you ever get to perform there. And I think another venue that I also like is Talia Hall. Is a new is a mm-hmm, one that mm-hmm. I like. That one's really nice, a great one. And I'm trying to think. I there have not been a, to the Bottom Lounge yet, but I will be very soon.
1: I think it was a, gosh, there's another one that I really I think it's called. No, it's not. Um, I had like a it's like something lounge
0: Uh, bottom lounge I think
1: I think so it's just one of those things where like I was in college in art school and all the big musicians were like I'm playing this venue for the first time so it's really more because like I was like listening about it when I was younger for instance South by Southwest everybody in art school who was somebody was like I'm playing at South by Southwest so when I finally kind of got that off my bucket list I was like yeah
0: Nice, nice. Have you ever been able to tour in Vietnam?
1: We, so again, this is my first album ever. So (laughs) definitely will plan to, to, I've never toured before, you know what I mean? So I would definitely um, plan to go to Vietnam. I am planning to go to Vietnam this year. I can't tell you about what it is for, but Mm. one of my biggest stages ever I'll be playing in Vietnam this year.
0: How do you feel about coming back to a country that uh, I don't know if you were born in Vietnam, but but uh, you know, but obviously living in the diaspora, how do you feel about coming back to your uh, family homeland?
1: Oh, it's super meaningful to me. I went every year as a kid because my mom grew up there, and I think it's really important. I think it's important to keep in touch with your heritage and your roots, and for me, that's super important. To also, living on my mother's memory.
0: So, yeah, because I think for myself, I have only been to Vietnam once. I'm hoping to come back at the end of next year. That would be a goal of mine. And I wonder what the Vietnamese audience would feel about Vietnamese American artists. I'm very curious to see how they would connect to Vietnamese American, Vietnamese diaspora artists. I don't know if you've given any thought to that.
1: Of course. Yeah, you know, I think, I just visited Vietnam recently. It's so different than what you saw 10 years ago. There's so many great trends and modern music and fashion. So they're really, it's becoming a great like subculture for Western music. And so I think they're really excited to discover, especially when you have a Vietnamese artist, you know, return and be excited about their heritage. There's I'm sure small pockets of bittersweetness of, well, I, I, I don't want to not listen to English music. I want to listen to Vietnamese music. So I think that'll always be a conflict anywhere or any heritage, you know. but I think I think for the most part, it's positive.
0: yeah, do you do you uh, have you connected with the uh, Vietnamese collaborators over there yet?
1: I have connected with a few of them. yeah, it's it's really interesting to meet people who are like who listen to the same music taste that I did growing up in Missouri. Uh, and vice versa, um because I also listen to Vietnamese music too. So, yeah, it's an exchange of culture and also an exchange of just, hey, we're both Vietnamese. We both like to make music. let's let's collaborate. Let's play music.
0: So what does the current landscape look like for Vietnamese and other Asian artists like yourself in the indie rock world? Because I know that there's been like artists like, the yeah yeah yeahs, Japanese breakfast and, mm-hmm. uh, we've seen the Linda Lindos more recently so I'm curious to know what about from your perspective what does it look like in this indie rock world and do you feel that kind of tension when you first came into that scene
1: I think my main concern was always will people understand it you know I'm not making I mean it, it is It is a bow of pop and it is a bow of pop punk, but it's not traditional pop punk or pop either. It's like a little too leaning in different directions to be complete. So I always was kind of worried that people wouldn't understand or I wouldn't find the audience to understand it. But I think that's the beautiful thing about music is there's always somebody that will understand it and find your story um, to match them.
0: Was it very challenging when you first came were was it very very challenging for people to take you seriously? Like when you were working with uh other collaborators or working with venues. Did you find any challenges with that early on?
1: I think the biggest challenge was transitioning as a photographer to a musician. That was the most difficult part because people were like, "Well, you're taking pictures. How I don't understand how serious you're going to take this music thing." Cuz you know, some people sing for covers or for fun. But because I was a photographer, I already kind of understood branding and how artists from labels kind of broke through and how their process was. And so, I like even when I first released my my first song ever, I was like, "Hey, if I'm going to you know, make music, I'm going to do it right. I'm going to have high quality photos. I'm going to have high quality music video production, and I'm going to prove myself to be taken seriously. So I think you can always rebrand, you know, at any point.
0: What is behind the name Dolly Avenue?
1: So my personal first name is Dolly. Uh, That is my real first name Avenue. It's actually a funny story. I was in Missouri. I was like 14 And I was like, no one's going to take my Vietnamese last names like they're not going to be able to pronounce it or maybe I won't be able to stand out in the way that I need to. And I wasn't even thinking as a musician at the time. And I was listening to this musician at the time that I really liked named Tim Ferguson. And he randomly, while I was following him, changed his last name to Atlas. I was like, oh, yeah, that's weird. Tim Ferguson. But Tim Atlas, Tim Atlas kind of rolls off the tongue better. Um, And so I was like, you know, J.K. Rowling kind of made initials for her name. So like no one would know she's a woman. So there wouldn't be a bias. So I was like, oh, well, Dolly Avenue sounds really interesting. Avenue is like a path or a channel and a route to kind of explore creatively. And so I stuck with it since 14. But also I eventually on one of my songs, Occupied, I eventually ran into Tim Atlas in the future and we made a track together
0: so it's kind of a full
1: circle moment
0: that is so awesome and what are some of your favorite moments as an artist
1: my favorite moment as an artist would be performing I really enjoy that performing aspect but also because it's a little less polished you know like you never know how are you going to sing it, how the audience is going to take. So it's a little more thrilling. Whereas, you know, kind of similarly, when you release music, you don't know how they'll like it, but you can always have the same song and change it up with every performance.
0: Do you find yourself uh, having Asian audiences or at least people in the audience that are Asian? Do you, have you had that experience? And if so, have you connected in a way with them?
1: Yes, I performed at, that fest a really large Vietnamese community student-run organization festival and I loved it it was so inspiring to have like young girls come up and be like you're Vietnamese like it couldn't that's crazy like I love your music and things like that and or even if I'm just playing a normal show and you know my demographic isn't really skewed one way or the other Uh, which is kind of nice because i think american asian american talent or asian artists in general like we shouldn't be pigeonholed just because of our race like if we make good music everyone should be able to enjoy it or you know understand it so i do have a diverse demographic but when i do see like the asian girls or the asian crowd i'm stoked i'm like yeah this is for you too it's for us
0: yeah i bet that that's gotta be a great feeling when you start seeing people in your own community really support, support you in, in that way. And I'm also curious if you are looking to do anything different with your music down the road too. Like, are you, are you looking to experiment, do experimentation as well?
1: Yes, I think for me, at least with every project, I feel like it's its own era that's how I would take it. There's some musicians that stay consistent with their sound, but I think albums are great for that. Like if you want an R and B bedroom pop album, I have my EP for that. If I want, if you want something more alternative rock, you have this album. And so who knows, maybe next album, it's going to be totally, you know, like the weekend, the weekend just came out with a new haircut and he became the, like this new version of himself or Miley Cyrus. She was, Kind of going in that very rock era, and now she's going super pop, and I think that's the fun part of music. Like, why put yourself in a box?
0: Mm. So yeah, I I think about that a lot because I love going to concerts. Like when I see a person like Beyonce, for example, I, I just saw her over the weekend, and and I just love how her albums are are like so visual oriented. Although the last album wasn't visual oriented, but like. It it it's not defined by just like one aspect of R and B music. It's it's also a combination of house music. Uh, it's also come uh, a a combination of pop and dance and rock and and I think it uh, it it adds to the curiosity too. And I think that's something that I get a spark when I go to a concert. Do you like going to shows? To watch other artists and do you find that to be a good vehicle to figure out how you would perform as an artist on stage
1: yeah you know i I love going to different performances because different artists do different things right some go really like halftime super bowl explosion some artists they have nothing fancy they just stand in the middle of the stage and they really capture you and like what you said about beyonce it's really cool that she has so many different sounds because even though you have different albums and sounds when you create a show, it's an experience. So you may think that song sounds super house, you know, when you listen to on the album, but when you, when she plays it, it might be actually more funk the way she changed it up. So that's why the show is so special because you can't recreate that again. It's like a one-time experience.
0: Is there a dream Scenario for you in terms of performing or collaboration?
1: Yes, my only other bucket list festival is Chicago Lollapalooza. Wow. Because I would, I captured it as a photographer. I snuck in before. So, like, now it's like, okay, well, I've done all these other things. I want to sing at it. And then I'm like, all right, I I did it. I did it for me.
0: (laughs) That would be dope. Now, I haven't done outdoor festivals in a long time because one, as I've gotten older, I need to have a nice bathroom. (laughs) Clean bathrooms are big. Yeah. Clean bathrooms. I will say the
1: artist lounge is so different. It's so nice.
0: I need a budget for that, and also crowds (laughs) in general give me the heebie-jeebies. And like indoor, like when I go to a concert, I can at least I feel like there's a sense of control. Uh, but when it, there's like an outdoor festival, it feels out of control a lot of the times. And, and also it gets very messy and I don't really like to deal with that drama, but if you ever do perform a Lala I will suspend my outdoor <laughs> festival, um, my suspend my outdoor festival protest. I don't know if that's the right word, but yeah, I think that would be so awesome if you get a chance to perform a Lala.
1: That is so funny. Yes, that is on my bucket list. And, uh, yeah one day i I don't doubt it'll happen, but that is on my list for sure.
0: What about pitchfork?
1: Oh, yeah, you know that's a good one too. Wow. these are all like chicago uh festivals. yes, that's a good one. yeah, maybe Chicago's just where I'm, that's it. like everything in my life is just Chicago, and then I quit. <laughs>
0: yeah, it gotta manifested, I, you know, I mean, and plus we gotta claim you as a Chicagoan again
1: yeah yeah i love chicago it really is one of my favorite cities it's just way too cold in the winter it's not for yeah, me in the
0: winter. i agree do you have a favorite city that you like to perform at
1: uh so far i did love wow i did love austin texas that was that mm. was really nice it was such a beautiful city so that was my favorite so far
0: so what do you hope to accomplish in the next five to ten years
1: Wow, that's a big question. I hope to be happy and healthy. Number one, you know, I hope that I still get enjoyment out of music. Because I just hope that whatever I'm doing with my music, it serves a purpose. And it also like fulfills me. So those are my top answers. But overall in music, I think I just want to see where this can go. So I'm just gonna go all out and wherever I land is where I'm supposed to be.
0: I know we're starting to kind of wrap up because I know that you've answered just a lot of wonderful questions and have so much wonderful responses to my questions. But if you had to talk to your 10-year-old self, what would you say to that person?
1: Wow, like in my body now to my 10-year-old self, I would say, don't worry. It all comes together. I was a huge worrier, anxious kid. And also, I was very awkward and nerdy, and I just felt like the person I wanted to be, I could never be. And my manager is always very self-assuring when I'm doubtful. He's like, you're everything, like, you have everything you need to be who you want to be. So I think I want to tell her that being yourself and staying on that route is going to take you where you need to be.
0: So where should we follow you? And what are you looking to share with us for the next couple of months?
1: For sure. You can follow me everywhere. Dolly Avenue, D-O-L-L-Y-A-V-E. Literally any platform you can think of. YouTube, Spotify. There's threads now. Instagram. I'm I'm mostly very active on Instagram. That's where I share all of my upcoming events. So, But feel free to follow me everywhere and you'll be up to date.
0: I want to say, you know, thank you so much for being on my show. I know I'm so glad that you reached out to me several months ago because I started following your work. And actually I want to give a shout out to Kenneth Wynne of uh, the Vietnamese podcast because I uh I heard you on his show and he was, you know, you guys you both like shared such a great conversation and Kenneth is a good friend of mine and I'm just oh, also you. so happy to see Vietnamese American artists, you know, performing and doing their own things especially in music and i love to be able to, to see fellow vietnamese southeast asian artists like when did they come to the metro or to another <laughs> city that i can go to uh to see them tour at, and i i think this is a great landscape because like growing up i didn't see that representation happen very mm-hmm. often uh, in, in entertainment and in media and For me, I think the future is Asian right now. The future is Vietnamese. And I love to see that happen. So continue to make way. I hope that the new album uh, uh, gains traction with new audiences. And I hope that it leads you to new opportunities. So I'm crossing my fingers for you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. You know, these platforms are so important. You know, you never know what little like little thing that you do is going to bring you to a new audience and also i you never know where both of us will grow we're gonna look back on this in like two years and be like oh my gosh this is where i was in my life at that time so much has changed so thank you for bringing me on here today yeah
0: and also for audiences i will encourage everyone to go to your spotify apple music uh, or amazon music to uh, download This Is Our Time, the debut album of Dolly Avenue. So I encourage you to listen to it. It's a, it's a fantastic listen. And I hope that you get to see Dolly Avenue at a city near you.
1: <laughs> Thank you so much.
0: All right.